Welcome. This is Burn the Ship Podcast, where we connect entrepreneurs with professionals that can help you go all in on your business. Um, so it's pretty exciting to me to introduce um, a new friend of mine, a new connection of mine that has a pretty, um, uh, a pretty unique experience into developing your own personal brand and really building that into a business. So um, it's my pleasure to to introduce you, Dina. Um, I will let you go uh, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Tell us kind of what your business is and what your mission is for 2022. Thank you. My name is Dina Parisi. I'm actually a former professional figure skater for the Ice Capades. Um, if you're old enough, you'll know what that is. <laughs> and um, I am now a professional drag racer. Um, I actually won a championship uh, in 2015. Uh, so my my background is eclectic, but it all kinds of falls into one category. Um, which is marketing, promotion, things of that nature. Because um, I learned early on with skating for ice crates that you had to work hard to get people to understand what you wanted to do, what product you were trying to sell, whatever the case may be. And um, now with social media, it's kind of a double-edged sword because it's become it's become a great vehicle, but then again, it can be very negative. Sure. So one of the things that I do is um, I consult with people, uh, mentor younger athletes to let them know, you know, this is, this is how you should be navigating it. I won't do their social media for them, but help them to, you know, Snapchat uh, stories. Everybody thinks, oh, well, it's just 24 hours, but it's not because it's, you know, a screenshot is forever. Sure. So uh, that's pretty much um, where I'm at with that. And then on the flip side of that, for my racing, you know, we I market for other companies. That's my job. And uh, we keep we are we look for marketing partners for 2022 and beyond to work with the team. We we essentially work for them. Sure. Uh, which I think tends to also get lost in the shuffle. People forget that they're working for the company that's working with them. And uh, we give them visibility, which is such a, it's such a common word, but it's kind of the best way to describe it in a nutshell. Sure. So, so tell me this. Um, how did you get into the figure skating at first, and how did that transition into drag racing? <laughs> they really were not uh, – it's funny because they weren't a back-to-back -back transition. So I was a figure skater and a gymnast from the time I was about five. And um, I really fell in love with the skating more so uh, and continued with that all through out of high school. And uh, one winter evening, I went and auditioned for the ice show and – next thing I knew, you know, I was packing my bags and going on tour. So uh, that was that was a fantastic time in my life. And uh, I have a lot of good memories from that. And I learned a lot that I've taken with me over the years. And, um, and then fast forward about probably a good 15 or so years post skating for ice capades. Uh, I skated, I did some small ice shows right after I got married. I did a couple of small travel shows for like three weeks. 
Uh, but my passion had now become drag racing. Uh, much to my husband's dismay, he introduced me to the sport and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the camaraderie. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the fans. And um, kind of the rest is history from there. Sure. Sure. And so this whole time you've kind of understood this idea that what you're really doing is representing the people that see the value in putting their branding on, you know, on however it's going to be displayed through you guys to that audience. Yeah. Yes. What types of companies is that? What, what what type of companies is that important to with the, the audience that's being put together, both from a figure skating perspective as well as from a drag racing perspective? And how do those change? I think that that should be important to any company. We, we can align with probably almost any company, uh, given what we do. Uh, and that is because of the reach that we have. And, you know, now with racing becomes kind of the, the last piece of the puzzle now. Uh, we do so much before and so much after standing displays, car shows, things of that nature where it racing is fantastic. And that's kind of the vehicle to get us there, no pun intended. Hmm. But it, overall, we don't really need the racing. Not that we don't need it, but we don't we don't focus on that. It's not win on Sunday, sell on Monday the way it used to be. Sure. Uh, and I think that any company can benefit from from what we do because you know now everything be it social media be it your website everything is worldwide sure so and i would say mostly every business has a website if not a website at least some social media and anything that we can do to direct traffic that's what we do you know we see what works what doesn't work we want to know from them what they need. Um, one thing that I'm super, I'm a stickler about is the fact that I am working for these companies 24 hours a day. So if I get up in the middle of the night, which happens a lot because my brain never stops, <laughs> I get up in the middle of the night and I go, well, let me just scroll around, you know, social media, whatever. I'm still remembering at two o'clock in the morning that my name is attached to all of these different companies. Sure. So I still, it's not that I'm not myself because I certainly am myself, but I, I do, I will refrain from certain things, you know, in other words, I'll keep scrolling is pretty much what I'm trying to tell you. Right. I'll keep scrolling. If something annoys me, it's not that big of a deal. It's not going to, affect me personally or the companies that I work for personally, then I just keep scrolling because it's not fair to the companies that have put, that have invested their time, their money and, uh, and their possible ROI dollars. Uh, it's not, it, that's, it's not helpful, helpful for them. Sure. So how, how did you develop those skills of like avoiding kind of being a risk to the brand? <sighs> How, how did you develop being brand friendly, I guess is what I'm asking? Well, that happened a long time ago when I skated for the ice show. And, uh, you know, we were held to a standard that, you know, when we were out and about, we had to remember that, you know, hey, this is what you do. 
Sure. And you work for us, you represent us. You know, and it's the same thing when we are at a, where uh, whatever series we're running, you know, we're representing the series too. You know, we want, we want people to feel, I always want people to feel comfortable. People online ask me questions. I want them to feel comfortable with asking me questions. I don't want them to feel like, you know, I, when I answer people, they're surprised because they're like, how come you answered me? I'm like, cause you asked me a question, Sure. <laughs> you know? Sure. And I've learned also that people are more apt to be drawn into a person than an object. For sure. So in other words, like I showed you my little funky sunglasses before, like these little sunglasses, right? Mm. I mean, I bought them in the dollar store, seriously, but these little flamingo sunglasses, uh, if I wanted to sell these, I'm not going to just put them on the table and say, you know, hey, buy these sunglasses. I'm going to make it fun, make it something that people are going to remember and they're going to go, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember those sunglasses. I'm going to go get a pair of those. Sure. I want it to be relatable. Sure. And how how is it that you built originally these relationships with these brands? Do they kind of kind of come with the territory? You know, so like you have brands that want to represent you through the opportunities that you have, all of these different opportunities to get in front of people. How do you find those brands originally? Uh, many times I will research brands and uh, and it's there's a lot of cold calling or cold emailing, as we say, involved. Uh, so I've had brands reach out to me, but um, I've also reached out to brands where it, it's it been a good fit and uh, we've gone ahead and worked together. Sure. And tell me this, what is that, that world like of drag racing? Is it predominantly male dominated? Uh, well, you know, it's funny. I get asked that question a lot and there are many more females in drag racing than I think people in racing in general, but in drag racing than people realize. Um, now this is not a knock to NASCAR. What I'm about to say, some people are going to take it that way, but it's really not. But the great thing that I love about drag racing is the fact that we don't need a diversity program. Sure. We, I mean, every color of the rainbow, uh, every, you know, gender, it, nothing matters. Nobody really cares. They just want a good person to race against or a good person to represent their company. Uh, many of the female drivers are fantastic drivers. Uh, you know, Eric Enders has won four championships in pro stock. So, I mean, we are, we're there, we're there sure. and we're, uh, and we're there to stay. <laughs> sure. Sure. And I was, I was really asking that question based on like, is it an advantage or a disadvantage to be, one or the other in that world. That's funny because again, I find that to be a double-edged sword. Sure. I don't want to be known as, you know, the female pro mod racer sure. necessarily. Uh, I want to be known as the person that somebody doesn't want to line up against. Sure. You know what I mean? I, but then the flip side of that is the, the female part of it tends to work positively for marketing. So, you know, you, you have to kind of weigh your options there. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's not being a female athlete. It's being an athlete that just so happens to be female. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So it seems that you've developed all of these skills centered around 
representing these companies and yourself in a way that is profitable, good, win-win situation for everyone. Mm -hmm. Tell me as you've developed these skills and understanding and really put those into to practice, how have things changed over time with the incorporation of social media? Like tell us like a, a story or an anecdote about what it was like before and what was something that was really valuable that seems outlandish today in, in reverence to what social media has kind of brought to that advertising and marketing world. So before, let's take Ice Capades, for example, because that's the best example I have. Um, when we wanted to promote the show, we went from city to city uh, every week. Um, and we would promote the show like as soon as we got there, right before like usually the day of our opening. And we would be up at the crack of dawn to do, you know, the early news shows and radio shows and whatnot. And they would book us the first, you know, few days that we were there to promote the show. Now, now, of course, you still do use radio. Um, and the fun thing about radio is the fact that you can listen live from anywhere. Uh, so it's the game is stepped up now. But it also makes it harder for you to get your point across. Because it's a very, it's a very busy way of getting things done. So you know, and there's a lot of competition. Sure. So you have to stand out. And that can be difficult. But um, you know, I think you just have, you have, for those of us who are looking for marketing partners, you know, we just have to, to keep working at it. But for sure. me too, I find the one thing now, which is very funny is, um, they'll tell you, I had a company tell me, we love everything you're about. We love your persona. We love, um, you know, that you, are relatable. We love this. We love that. But you're too old. Oh wow. Too much. And I'm like, look, I'm 54, and I wear that proudly. I am not going to step back from it. But my 54 years of experience, quote unquote, is is an asset. Right. I know how to promote probably better than anybody else, and I can do it without it sound like I'm promoting. Uh, you know, now it's about, it, they just make it about looks and youth. And this is no disrespect to the younger set, but they also have to remember that, you know, you can't just discount someone because of their age. Sure. I just think that that's hilarious. Sure. So, uh, you know, and to just completely ignore that whole demographic of your of your people that support yeah, you. And we're the ones with the money. Right. I mean, that's what's like, hilarious what? about it. We're the ones with the money. Yeah. I mean, to be 22 again, ah, that would be great. <laughs> but, you know, I still remember where I was financially at 22. And, you know, it's, it's a whole nother world. But if we we were right for this brand and it's a big brand we were right for the brand but they told me i was too old wow that's so strange and so do you do you see 
as far as the marketing goes, I'm curious about this as well, is you say that you kind of arrive in the city, there's not a whole lot of marketing that was done before with escapades when social media wasn't really the vehicle. Like, what is the difference now as far as how how much everything is marketed up front? Like everything well, is marketed beforehand. So then they did their local marketing. So they had someone locally, like the venue and whatnot, that was uh, promoting and TV commercials. And it's funny because the one thing about TV commercials now, if you do the research, is most people are DVRing. Yeah. They and fast forwarding the commercials. commercials. <laughs> <laughs> they are not watching commercials. So, you know, I mean, of course, it goes back to the time. This was the late 80s, early 90s, where, you know, you you sat through TV programs. Sure. I mean, you could, you could use your VCR. If there's a young person listening to this, they could be like, a lot? <laughs> you could use your VCR and tape a program or whatever, but, um, oh my God, program. I just sounded like that guy <laughs> on that commercial. If you say program, you blow. <laughs> what, what company is that for? <laughs> oh my gosh, I totally just sounded like my grandma. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, but, you know, so you would tape a show, but and then you would go through the commercials. But for the most part, people were watching stuff live right when it aired um and that's not the case now so like i said uh with social media it's your instant people can go back to it very easily um you know how you can pin things or people can go back to you you could repost it whatever the case may be so but like i said your competition is also a little bit more fierce sure. now too so there's the it's you know Six and one half dozen the other. So tell me, when you decide to hang it up and you're done doing whatever it is, and you may have a whole nother athletic career after the, you know, what you're pursuing now with the racing, right? Let's say when you decide to, to detach and disassociate from that athlete profile, how do you plan to leverage those same skills of representing and marketing and branding companies to make money in the future after you've kind of let go of that status as an athlete? Well, you, you let go of doing it, but you kind of never let go of what you've done. Right. It's still going to be there. The history is still going to be there. Uh, and you know, like I said, I do have an eclectic history and I'm, and I've started to, I'm definitely utilizing that, um, and using my knowledge to teach other people. Right. To you know, further their either their personal brand, their business brand, what have you. And um, and I think that it's I'm sure it'll help someone, some people. It has helped people down the line, uh, you know, teach. I mean, these younger athletes need to know that, you know, don't show up to an interview in, you know, a tank top unless it's your, you know, unless it's what you are. Right. You know, you're a volleyball player or right. something, but. Um, but you know, I'm trying to talk for racing or for, um, even figure skaters, you know, show up in nicely dressed like you would if you were going to get a job. You might find a good sphere of influence within mm-hmm. younger college athletes in, mm-hmm. in those major sports that aren't those like major force, but that aren't your football, baseball, basketball players. You know, you, you might find a market in 
lacrosse and rugby and all of those things that are developing programs on a very high level that are very friendly to some brands you may be able to you know with all the the laws that are passing now the ability to make money off of your likeness you have a whole pool of people that need to learn those skills especially before they you know compete at a professional level um you know with the ability to be a be a friend to a brand Mm -hmm. yeah there's and i i find some of the athletes that i meet of course it's not they're used to going on social media as themselves and having fun. And I'm like, okay, well now you have to, you have to change your way of thinking. Sure. You know? And they're like, but I have my personal, I'm like, I have my personal page too, but I'm <laughs> still, <laughs> I'm still aware of what I post. For sure. So tell me this, I, I have to ask, and we always want to leave, um, you know, the audience with a picture of you over your, your business and your skills, because I do think mm-hmm. you're a very um, unique and exquisite person. All of our interactions have been amazing, and I appreciate you being on here again. Thank you. Um, tell me this thing um, that I'm curious about. I was looking at your Instagram mm-hmm. and doing doing a little bit of my due diligence and homework before this. Where did you get your nickname? <laughs> okay, so... Um, I mean, for one thing, I'm known for my cooking at the racetrack. So when you come to my pit area, you're not eating hamburgers and hot dogs. You're usually eating like eggplant parmesan, uh, (laughs) uh, spaghetti and meatballs. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely want to, you know, you you definitely want to come to my pit area. And I mean, there have been times where we've come out, I've come out of the motorhome from cooking and there's 20 people sitting at the table. I mean, I would always bring enough because I knew when we went to certain racetracks that I was going to have a large amount of people for dinner. Sure. And which is great because that's just part of that family atmosphere. But so having said that, uh, racing now is shown on, um, on a couple of different platforms streamed live, right? So if I'm not racing, I go into the chat rooms and I chit chat with the fans. And I've always used my name because that's so they know it's me. Sure. Well, this one, this one race, this troll came into the room and I'm noticing over the last couple of years that the whole troll thing has gotten really bad. And so this troll came into the room and I was like, oh, deuces, I'm out. I said, so I quick exited out, changed my name to Spicy Meeple as a goof. <laughs> changed the picture to like a like a meatball with like flames behind it or something and came back in the room well when i started talking to people they didn't know it was me until i started talk like addressing certain people in certain ways and then the next time i went in the room i forgot to change it and they were like hey spicy and then i changed my name back to my real name and everyone just continued to call me Spicy Meatball. <laughs> so it stuck. Definitely <laughs> it stuck. stuck. So it has taken on a life of its own. Because if you go on my TikTok, um, you know, I, I do Spicy Meatball, keeping it spicy. I tell a lot of crazy stories, like things that have happened over the years, um, aside from posting racing videos and things like that. But if, if I say spicy meatball and I forget to say keeping it spicy, someone will come on and go, you didn't say keeping it spicy. I'm like, wow, people are really digging it. Like, Strong okay, brand. I like it. I like it. So, yeah, we've, I've actually, so I have my, this is my business um, logo, but I, ha- I now have that spicy meatball has its own logo. Um, 
it's hilarious. <laughs> it's a little round logo. It's really cute. It's it's a cartoon picture of me. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had to ask, um, and I really, you know, like, like I told you at the beginning, our audience here are, are people that are really looking to go in on their business, their entrepreneurship and building their brand and really paving the way, which is what's difficult in those first few years I found is mm -hmm. like really paving the way and building your own identity until people kind of begin to relate who you are and what you represent and what you do all in the same sentence, you know, and, and it's a struggle. Um, so I, I appreciate what you've said about, you know, the advice that you give about, hey, just always be cognitive, cognitive and cognizant of what it is that you're posting and how you're interacting with people so that, yeah. you know, you can do what is what is good for you um, in the future. Tell me a couple more things and then we'll get out of here. If people want to talk to you, if people want to sponsor you, if people want to do business with you, if people have questions for you, how do they get in contact with you? I appreciate that. So uh, DinaParisiVentures.com. Uh, and it's Dina with an I and Parisi with an E because that always seems to get switched around for some <laughs> reason. Uh, and, you know, we work with brands of all sizes. You know, we can I, we can whip something up for someone who's got the small budget, the large budget. And uh, and it's a fun way to go too. you know, it's just it's a it's a it's a really fun avenue. And we, we have a lot of fun with everything. Um, so yeah, dinaparisiventures.com. They can find me there, shoot me an email, uh, any of my social media. Um, don't send me a private message on TikTok because it'll get lost, but anywhere else, send me a private message. Um, I will answer. Cool. I appreciate that. And then, like I said, you have all of these people out there, especially in our audience all over the world, people that we haven't tapped into yet. Um, our goal is to educate, motivate, solve a problem for those people that really want to become their own entrepreneur, become their own brand. What would you say to those people that maybe are, maybe are not looking to do something similar to you that are weighing their option as far as diving headfirst into their business go? Well, you don't know what you can do if you don't try for one. So you either give it a shot or you're going to be like, what? I wonder if, I wonder if. So, you know, I say, you know, dive in with both feet. There's so many, uh, there's so many ways to get information now or to reach out to people or to network. Um, wherever you are, there's probably a local uh, bunch of business people that have some networking that you can hop onto. They probably have a Facebook group or uh, it's in your town newspaper, something of that nature. And, uh, and just, I say, give it a shot because you never know. So you start going in one direction and then it leads totally off in another. For sure. So, you know, it's always worth, uh, it's, it's always worth. And I say to follow people on social media or wherever, LinkedIn, uh, follow people that are doing something similar to you. So you know where, where you can excel or maybe what is, uh, maybe what's not up to par. Sure. And, uh, and then just keep working it that way. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. You know, I think that you've been a, an incredible resource to us today to talk to us and give us another, um, opportunity to really reflect on our own businesses and our own branding. Um, and it matters to us and I appreciate you. I appreciate the time that you've given us and we look forward to, uh, to doing our best to support you in the future. Um, hopefully some of the people that we've touched in the audience will do the same thing. Thank you. I, I certainly appreciate it. Cool. Thanks.